My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Berju Emich. Articule is an artist-run centre in the Mile End neighbourhood of Montreal. Artist-run centres are art spaces and galleries that are run by and for artists. In the Canadian context, they're generally structured as not-for-profit organizations, though the details of their organizational form and their governance can vary considerably, and they often receive government funding. Generally, they do not charge admission for exhibitions, performances, workshops, and the like, and they prioritize paying artists for their labor. Artists started to create such centers in Canada in the 1960s, and Articule has been around since 1979. The mandate of Articule prioritizes multidisciplinary work focused on research and artistic experimentation. It is particularly meant as a space for emerging artists, though established artists who continue to be experimental are welcome too. The center has a heavy emphasis on visual arts, but also hosts plenty of work that involves performance, screenings, and other kinds of discursive and interactive work. The center has also always had an open access and highly participatory approach to governance. It is very easy for anyone who supports the mandate of the center, artist or not, to become a member, and members comprise the majority on the center's committees where the bulk of the decisions and governance work happen. While staying true to the values that had guided it from the beginning, starting in about 2010 or 2011, Articule began a process of significant organizational change. The context was a growing recognition in Montreal of the underrepresentation of and barriers faced by racialized artists and organizations in the city's arts scene. And the spark was a series of conversations between a newly hired staff person at Articule and a board member, both of whom were racialized and both of whom had a strong interest in doing equity work in the organization. The work really kicked off in 2011 with the formation of the delightfully named Fabulous Committee. Its mandate is to develop anti-oppression policies, procedures, and programming to make the center more inclusive and more culturally diverse. In 2013, the Fabulous Committee organized an event called Montreal Monochrome, a panel discussion exploring questions of equitable representation in the arts and challenging the barriers faced by racialized artists. That initial event was very well received in the community, and since then it has been annual. No longer just a panel, it is now a larger event that explores related themes not only through public talks and roundtables, but through performance, workshops, and various innovative arts-based interventions. A key element of the work of the Fabulous Committee has been the production of a basis of unity for Articule, which sets out values and broad strategies to guide the work of the Centre in anti-oppressive directions. After an extensive process, the basis of unity was approved by the membership in early 2018. The document lives alongside the Centre's mandate and is made prominently present in a variety of ways to make it clear to those who enter the space and participate in the Centre's activities that these values are core to what the Centre is setting out to do. 
Since that was approved, the Fabulous Committee has been working hard with an external consultant to do a comprehensive review of all of the Center's policies in order to make changes so that they better reflect the values in the basis of unity. And they're also hard at work developing procedures for conflict resolution and for dealing with complaints. Anti-racist and anti-oppressive organizational change is slow, difficult work, and it is certainly an ongoing process at Articule. Nonetheless, as a result of what has been done over the last eight years, there is a much greater organizational basis for challenging barriers faced by people who are racialized or marginalized in other ways. And the people involved in Articule and the artistic work featured in its space and its programming have come to better reflect the people who actually live in Montreal. Berju Emich is the Outreach and Communications Coordinator at Articule. I speak with her about the art scene in Montreal, and about the work happening at Articule to tackle oppressive systemic disparities in Articule itself and in the art scene more broadly. My name is Berju Emmett. I am the Outreach and Communications Coordinator at the Artstone Centre Articule, located in Montreal's Myland neighbourhood. I've been there for just under two years. A big part of what I do, well, there's three components outreach towards the community and towards folks who might be more traditionally excluded from the contemporary arts scene in Montreal, and then inreach in working with members, and then communications in terms of your more traditional communications work for an arts center. I also have an arts practice in performing arts. I come from a theater background, but I work increasingly more interdisciplinary and transdisciplinary performance creation. Personally, my work has always been politically engaged or active. I'm interested in the marrying of performance and art action and activism. So I think I naturally was drawn towards centers, art centers that were doing similar sorts of work. Then I personally became interested in anti-oppression work. I got involved with the Center for Gender Advocacy in Montreal, doing active listening training and anti-oppressive training, and then found myself drawn to Articule in that way. Artisan centers are found across the country. They are publicly funded, so we receive funding from the city, the province, and the federal government. And they are a way for essentially making the arts more accessible and moving away from privatization. So the goal would be for artists to themselves be able to lead the centers. Canadian art centers are very different to artisan centers or initiatives you might find in Australia or the States or internationally. Most artisan centers in Canada follow the not-for-profit organizational model. So we have a board of directors. Many of us are member-driven. And then we also have permanent or contractual staff who do like the more day-to-day work. Artisan centers also have free programming, so they don't charge admission fees. And they also adhere to pay artists well for their work in order to increase their economic conditions. Articule was founded in 1979, but incorporated as a not-for-profit in 1980. Right from the get-go, it had a connection to what at the time it was Sir George Williams, and is now Concordia University. And we've maintained that connection, I would say, to that university. The original location was on Rideau Montaigne in downtown Montreal, and since then it's moved quite a few times across the city, but still maintained a strong connection to Concordia University, both the Faculty of Fine Arts and the university at large. The original founders were interested in creating a space that would present multidisciplinary work, which was focused on research and artistic experimentation. And right from the get-go, there was a desire to share the programming and management. So open access governance was really there from the start, and members of the center were curating shows. 
Another aspect that was really present in the foundation was its commitment to bilingualism and participative management. I would say that several of those core values are still very present today. Article still commits to having critical, flexible, and diverse programming. Right now, our mandate is to strive for artistic excellence, interdisciplinarity, and social engagement. And so we present a really broad range of contemporary art practices, and we have various programming channels that that can happen through. While there is currently a heavy presence on visual arts, we do also organize performances and have other discursive disciplines, be it workshops or screenings or interactive works, etc. Since 1979, Artifuel has supported a really high number of young artists and specifically artists who have then gone on to become more recognized in the country. And for many of them, Artifuel was truly one of the first places that they presented at. So the center has given the public the opportunity to discover artists of international renown, such as Marie Chouinard, François Morelli, Pierre Falardeau, Michael Snow, Evergon, Carolee Schneeman, Chris Burden. And while we do give special consideration to emerging artists, and that's still very much a big part of our mandate currently, we also respect more established artists who continue to test the limits of their aesthetic gesture and who can commit to experimentation and risk-taking in their practice. We also seek to build networks both locally and nationally and internationally with other artists, centers, collectives, and organizations. I would say that we have an open structure that I think is truly unique and unparalleled in terms of the rest of the artist run center community in Montreal, in that members can become involved with the heart of the center and the heart of the decision-making process. So that desire for open governance that was there in 1979 is still very much present today. Our open structure encourages direct participation from anybody who supports our mandate. Anybody can become a member of Articule. You do not have to be an artist. We just ask that you support our mandate and our events. The way to become a member, we keep it as accessible as possible. The membership fee is $1 a year. We ask for four hours of volunteer work and coming to a general assembly or coming to two general assemblies per year. So the way that membership is defined for us is really by becoming part of the community and being physically present with the center and getting to know its public and taking part in the community aspect of it. Once somebody becomes a member, which can happen at any point, they are invited to join committees at the center. And committees are really the heart of where the work gets done. So we have a committee for every aspect of the center. The programming coordinator herself works with the programming committee to make the decisions in terms of which shows are programmed. We aim to work in a way that is non-hierarchical and horizontal. Committees are made up of members, a board member, and a staff member. And like I mentioned, they touch on every aspect of the center. We have programming committees. We have outreach committees. We have a fabulous committee, a.k.a. the Anti-Oppression Committee. We have a fundraising committee, a writer's club. So for folks who are interested in writing texts about our different exhibitions, as well as the Rainbow Committee, which is essentially the strategic planning committee. Right now, that committee is focused on the move that Articule will be undertaking, will be moving location within the next two, three years. So that committee is looking at what is the future of the center in terms of its location and how that might contribute to its identity. So most of our members are engaged by taking part in the committees and in the communities they have the chance to initiate their own projects, to exercise their administrative and artistic skills, and to truly work hand in hand with board members and the staff in initiating events and running the events of the center.
So I understand that at some point along the line, Articule underwent a transition to having more of an anti-oppression or equity focus in the work that it does. What prompted that transition and how did it unfold? First of all, a major change that happened in the center was that a staff member who was hired around 2010-2011 who was racialized had a strong interest in equity work. That staff member and a board member at the time who was doing a lot of educational work, conversations are happening between the two of them in terms of equity work. And it had a strong response from the article community at the time. So it really started with discussions initiated by this board member and the staff member. And then in 2011, the Fabulous Committee was formed, so the Anti-Oppression Committee. This committee then created a mandate to make the center more inclusive and culturally diverse and then to reflect the city's actual demographics, which weren't being represented in the professional arts community of the city. There was a strong desire to, within Articule's programming, within Articule's staff and board and public, in terms of its day-to-day flow of people, to be more representative of Montreal's demographics at large. At that point, there started to be a commitment to make more space for folks who are often left at the margins of the arts community. Eventually, Articule also started working with COCO, which is the Center for Community Organizations, which is an organization in Montreal that provides resources for -for not-for-profits. They do lots of various work. They help implement not-for-profit structures. They do board training. They do HR training. They do anti-oppression training. And so Articule started to form a stronger relationship with them as well, and they became a really strong resource point for the center to make these organizational changes. I think also several things were happening in the city at the time as well. There were the austerity strikes of 2012, which just in general across artisan centers created more excitement and more interest in activism. Then the Fabulous Committee initiated an event called Montreal Monochrome, the first of which was in 2013. And this event, which started off as a conference, as a roundtable panel discussion on inclusion in artist milieu in the city of Montreal, it's now become a yearly rendezvous and like a flagship event of the center that recurs now every year. It was created really as a response to a report that was submitted to the city of Montreal in 2005 that confirmed that there was an underrepresentation of ethnically diverse artists and arts organizations across the professional media. So this very first panel of Montreal Monochrome, and it's Montreal Monochrome question mark, is Montreal Monochrome was asking questions such as what measures can be set up to ensure that there is more equitable representation within our cultural organizations in the city? And how do we create a climate that will get rid of the invisible barriers that folks who come from diverse backgrounds come across? How can we do away with those barriers? And is there genuinely an interest in the arts media of the city for the contributions of people who come from diverse backgrounds and from immigrants? So since then, Montreal Monochrome has evolved into a yearly rendezvous where it's gone from a panel discussion to, at times, a two, three-day event that programs not just roundtables or panels, but also performances, interactive discussions, workshops. So at the heart of it, it's become now an event that seeks to create stronger bonds amongst Indigenous artists and cultural workers and their racialized allies, but also to become a space of experimentation. So the event itself has become a bit of a laboratory where artists are invited to explore different forms in which to engage with these discussions. 
we still for sure welcome more traditional panel structures, but also we've had artists engage discussions around these questions in really interactive and participatory ways that are quite experimental and that move away from traditional Western practices. Another major aspect is that the members of the Cybos Committee started writing, say, over four or five years, a core set of values, which was eventually approved by the membership at large, which is called the Basis of Unity. And the Basis of Unity are essentially strategies for an anti-oppressive center that Articule's board, staff, and membership has committed itself to. This text, this list of values, lives alongside our mandate. The Basis of Unity affirms that Articule commits itself to being an inclusive space that Articule recognizes that systemic oppression exists and that it operates through arts communities in a way that disempowers individuals, be it because of their race, nationality, gender, sexuality, economic status, religion, ability, etc. And that these various intersecting forms of marginalization take shape in unequal access to opportunity, to cultural insensitivity, to cultural appropriation, to harassment, whether it be psychological or physical, to microaggression, derogatory language, etc. The basic unity also includes that Articule commits to prioritizing the knowledge and safety of individuals who have lived experience. The basic unity exists physically in the space of Articule, so anyone who comes in can see it. And also it's given in writing to the artists that we program and all members to become involved in the center, which I think provides new members, new artists, and folks who might be unfamiliar with the center with a pretty clear context in terms of what are the center's values and what is the work that the center is engaging with on a day-to-day basis. Basic Unity serves as a reminder and also as a bit of an institutional memory as well for new members who come to the space and new staff and new artists to acknowledge the work that has come before them and the path that the center commits itself to being on. So that was a major undertaking of the Fabulous Committee to write that text. And then eventually in March 2018, it was approved by the membership as a whole as an organizational text. Another thing the Fabulous Committee is working on since March 2018, effectively, we've been working on a massive consulting process. So we're working with a consultant. With them, we're essentially looking at all the policies that exist at Articule and providing suggested revisions to make those policies more inclusive and accessible. And we're doing that hand-in-hand with members of the Fabulous Committee. So it's not something that's going on just amongst staff on board, but members of the center are actually involved in that process and are working hand-in-hand with the consultant as well. In addition to that, the Fabulous Committee is writing procedures, so a conflict resolution procedure and a complaint procedure, to accompany the policies. Often what we find in organizations is that we have a lot of policies, but not much how-to. And so this is a way for the center to concretize some how-to methods organizationally so that, again, that knowledge lives for future staff and future members and future individuals who are involved with the organization. Currently, we're in the first draft of these procedures, and eventually they will be brought to the membership at large to be approved and then be put into place. I think it's also really important that Articule is engaging this work not in a time of crisis. Often, anti-oppressive work happens in response to a crisis or a situation which may emerge. And currently, this work is being carried out preventatively, which I think is also really wonderful because it shows that the center is committed to engaging in anti-oppressive practices day to day, not just in response to a particular situation that may have arisen. So recognizing that it's still all very much ongoing, 
How would you say that the centre has changed since the start of the process in 2011, in terms of who's involved in the centre, the art that's shown there, and so on? I think a lot of strong outreach work was being done in 2011, which you see really like the ripple effects of today, in that there is a commitment to doing outreach with communities who might be more traditionally excluded from the arts milieu in the city. And that's caused ripple effect. A lot of people really, it's by word of mouth that they hear about the centre and the work that we're doing. If you look at our website and look at our mandate, it doesn't mention specifically anything about being a space that prioritizes QT BIPOC voices, for example. Uh, And that acronym stands for Queer and Trans, Black People, Indigenous People, and People of Color. The basic unity does do that, but in our mandate itself, it talks about social engagement, and we can understand social engagement in a really broad way. So I think all the work that started in 2011 with the Fabulous Committee and Montreal Monochrome has created a ripple effect that causes people to talk about what's going on at Articule, and then folks just come to the center. (laughs) They come to the center because they're seeking resources, or they have heard that that's a place where Indigenous racialized voices are being prioritized, and so they come and want to be a part of that community. You can see it in our programming as well. Our programming has a strong commitment to marginalized voices, but it's not just our programming, but also internal changes like the staff and the board of directors and the public that comes to our events or vernissages, our general assemblies has also changed. Those internal changes are, I would perhaps even say, more important at times than just having inclusive programming. And I think those internal changes are felt and seen by the community when they see racialized individuals holding organizational positions of power. It's really important. Building stronger relationships with Indigenous artists and Indigenous cultural workers is also something that the board and staff have committed to undertake in every aspect, so not just in our programming, but in all of our activities. We strive to do that in various ways, but for example, we're starting to translate our organizational text into Mohawk, which Montreal is on unceded Ganyaga territories. For example, the basic unity was translated into Mohawk. In the past, we've also translated calls for submissions into Mohawk and also Hebrew, because the community that we're in in the Mayalan has a strong Hasidic community. So those sorts of initiatives, I think, are also really important through language, because that is able to, I think, reflect a commitment to becoming more inclusive and also makes our calls for submissions in the center organizationally a bit more accessible. What is the organizational change work at Articule going to look like over, say, the next year? One of our biggest goals is to finish our policies review with the consultant, have it submitted to the board of directors, and then present it to the members at a general assembly and have that approved. That's a (laughs) a huge dream that we hope to have, hopefully completed by the end of June 2020. And also to finalize a complaints and conflict resolution procedure that the membership approves by June 2020 as well. That procedure would be applicable not just to staff and board members, but really to any member of the center, any volunteer and any artist. And the model that we're looking at right now is a model that a separate committee would be formed and would be elected by the members at large to be the committee that handles complaints and the conflict resolution procedure. We are hoping also with the Fabulous Committee to do a publication within the next year or two. Articule is also turning 40 quite soon. So with that 40th anniversary, the hope is to have a publication that would articulate a lot of these changes that I've just shared with you, these organizational changes and these resources that have emerged at the center. So the Fabulous Committee would create hopefully a resource 
book for other organizations that might be going through similar processes and also to, again, have in writing to preserve some of that institutional memory. And maybe a good note to end on to give listeners a richer sense of the work of the Centre would be to talk about a couple of shows from the recent past or coming up. What's Articule up to that you found particularly exciting? The most recent version of Montreal Monochrome was the seventh edition called Recalibration. We wanted to, as a committee, respond to various events taking place in Montreal in the past year, including but not limited to Robert Lepage's racist productions in the Montreal Jazz Festival, as well as the Migrant Detention Centre currently being built in Laval, just outside of Montreal. And we wanted to include the movements of resistance that have emerged from all these various events of the past year. In that, we came across this writer, Jenny O'Dell. She's a writer based in California. She talks about training one's attention as being a process that is continuous and which is reality making. So we were really inspired by that and use that as a jumping off point to talk about what does it mean to shift focus as a whole and take control of our narratives, both mentally, physically, and emotionally. What does it mean to refocus one's attention and to train our attention towards narratives that are often excluded from the mainstream sphere? We presented various, various programming and presented forms that are, I would say, uncommon. Like, you wouldn't find them usually in arts and centers. So, for example, we worked with a group called Rap Battles for Social Justice, and they led a creative writing workshop about how to engage with hip-hop as a platform to talk about social justice issues. And they also did a showcase with some of their most popular rappers. And I found that really exciting because we don't usually see such groups included in the artist and center media of the city. And I think that's really important is to like bring in artists who are doing very important work, but in very different ways into the visual arts world and into the artist and center world. So that was super exciting. In terms of past exhibitions, we had in May an exhibition called Creative Kinship and Other Survivalist Tendencies which was curated by Gidget, which is an Indigenous curatorial collective based both in Montreal and Toronto. It was a group show featuring several artists, and the curators were Lindsay Nixon and Adrian Hard for Gidget. Upcoming, well, tonight we have a closing performance of a residency with four artists, Stephanie Gregan, Nat Navi, Lise Branson, and Mitch Westcott of Drag Queen. These artists have been residency at Article for the Week and have been exploring through music, the power of collaboration and interest support through music, sculpture and performance. And tonight we'll be doing a closing performance called Kinepoetics, Queer and Trans Music as a Means of Survival. In November, Sarah Mahara Cregan, who is an artist based in New York, will present a body of drawings and comics that explores her mixed-race Japanese-Canadian heritage and also investigates areas of representation that's connected to women's body and sexual health. There was a discussion on the following day between Sarah Cregan and Anthony Kudahi, which is another artist based in New York, and the two of them will talk about sex, botany, and queerness. And we'll start a dialogue between them because they both are queer figurative painters and drawers. They'll chat about intimacy, which they find is present in both their arts practices. You have been listening to my interview with Berju Emich, Outreach and Communications Coordinator at the artist-run centre Articule in Montreal. To learn more about the centre, go to articule.ca.
To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Yeah.